0: Namaste and welcome. This is Jainil Dalal and you are listening to The Design MBA. This podcast is a real-life MBA program for designers where we interview design hustlers and learn the skills, mindset necessary for a designer to launch a business venture. You can learn more. Find past episodes and stay updated at designmba.show. Why are you listening to this podcast? Think about it. Deep down, you want to grow in your design career. And I've been in your shoes. I've pushed pixels for years without really knowing how the hell do I grow in my design career. So I've created a free email course for you to help you level up your design career. The strategies I share in this 7-day email course are actionable and used by over 700 plus designers with success. So head over to levelup.designmba.show Or you can find the link to this email course in the show notes. Level up your design career today! Today's guest is Martin Ramson who is the CEO at Career Foundry. Martin grew up in Stockholm and developed a love of computers at an early age. His first job as a programming intern took him all the way to San Francisco just as the internet bubble was about to burst. On moving back to Berlin, he became interested in creating products focusing solely on product management. Then he ended up working at Nokia After that, he decided to take up web development again, took some Codecademy courses, and learned Ruby on Rails from free tutorials. That led him to start Career Foundry in order to help other people realize their potential, where he's now the CEO. Martin, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to be talking with you.
1: Hey, man. Uh, Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be part of your podcast.
0: So, Martin, do you follow German soccer, any teams you support in Germany?
1: German soccer, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I follow um, any kind of European soccer, anything like Champions League, German soccer, UK, anything, you name it. Italian, Spanish, everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, personally, I'm a huge fan of the the German, uh, Jurgen Klopp. And the revolution he's brought at uh, the Liverpool Football Club. He's so amazing, man. Um, I just love him.
1: Yeah, he's super cool. Um, What he's doing now at Liverpool is uh, really great. He's a great manager. And something to inspire for, yeah, for any manager, you know.
0: And I got to ask you this. Have you been live to any of the soccer games in Germany?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. I kind of like to watch it on the on the computer, <laughs> to be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comfort in my home, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, the stadium is crowded for sure, not to mention uh, the box seats are so expensive and, and you kind of get the best view from there. Yeah, sure. So Martin, in your words, how would you describe Career Foundry to our listeners?
1: Yeah, so Career Foundry um, is an online school for people who want to change career. So, yeah, um, people that come to us they typically have worked for a couple of years in a profession that uh, you know in a, in a career that they feel stuck in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, either they can't be creative, or they feel they need more flexibility, or they just feel like they don't can they can't really have the impact that they want to have um in that career so they want to restart
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and so they come to us to change career completely into something new uh, what we offer um is um, a program to change career to a uh, web developer or designer yeah um yeah so that's what career founder is is an online school um and um we have Um, per year, roughly 3,000 students coming to us, um, changing career. Um, and, um, our approach has been to try to do, um, a very kind of human centric, uh, online education. So that means that, you know, you're not just watching a few videos. Um, you're actually meeting with people online, um, mentors such as yourself um mm-hmm. and um and and you know learning uh in those online so you have this very human support
0: so. yeah 3000 students per year holy cow that is amazing man not to mention that you know career foundry has programs in design um ios development so many other programming languages front end um uh, back end the list goes on like from what i've experienced um at Career Foundry, it's like there's dedicated mentors to guide the students. Like, So you've got like the mentor who sets up one-on-one calls with the student. Then you've got the tutor who grades the student's assignment, almost like what you see in like a, a college or, or a university. You have the professor that teaches the course, but then you have the teaching assistant that grades uh, the assignments. So how many tutors and mentors are currently working for Career Foundry?
1: So it's uh, about... Yeah, it's about two hundred and fifty mentors and tutors today on the on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tutors they they grade, as you said, they grade the the students' work on a daily basis and help students through the course. Yeah. Whereas the mentor takes uh, a bigger kind of uh, view on the on the student's development and um, you know uh, supports the student in actually becoming you know, professional and ready for for a you know a profession at, at the end of the course so yeah uh, that's why we split those two roles out into mentors and tutors
0: nice that's a lot of uh, tutors and mentors and of course i'm happy to be a member of that group so speaking like geographically where are, are all these students that uh, study career foundry located
1: yeah, so we're online, um, so we have students all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, everything is in English, which uh, attracts, you know, mostly yeah. uh, English-speaking uh, markets. So our, the biggest market for us is actually the US, mm-hmm. uh, where you're based, um, and then we have uh, countries like Canada, UK, Australia, etc. Uh, so English speaking primarily. Yeah. And then since we're based in Berlin, we also have um, a good amount of students coming coming in uh, in Berlin as well, in Germany.
0: Wow. It seems the students are spread all over the world. Um, so Martin, let's rewind back in time. How did you meet your co-founder, Rafaela? And how did you all come up with the idea of uh, building an online school to give professionals a fresh career start?
1: Yeah, so I guess we came we came at it from 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 different kind of viewpoints. So my background is um, I was a developer
2: mm-hmm.
1: for many years, and then uh, a product manager uh, for a couple of years, and uh, I came um, at uh, at it from trying to create a product yeah. uh, that would be you know more interesting than than what I saw online uh, at the time. So. Um, so at at this time then when we started the company, uh, just previously, I, I'd actually been laid off from, from a startup um, and so I had a, some time on my own and I started um, learning uh, programming again Ruby on Rails and I did that online through, through just a tutorial online. And so I was kind of fresh from this experience of trying to learn online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I had a, you know, I had a lot of, you know, I, I wish there was more support. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to create, uh, an online product that, that had more support. So, so that, you know, was my kind of how I got into it. And then I met Rafaela, uh, my co-founder, and, and she came, you know, from the business, um, world and, and mm-hmm. she had, um, had the trouble to, actually hire uh, uh i think she needed to hire like 200 developers in berlin for some company prior uh, prior to career foundry mm-hmm. and um and there was just not 200 developers in berlin at the time yeah and so she came uh you know to education from the idea of uh, there is a skills gap and we need to fill the skills gap yeah so um yeah so those we I met with Rafael and both of our kind of you know past experiences kind of uh formed this company um and we met actually through an an ad um she advertised for a co- co founder so that's pretty funny that that's how one can start a company actually,
0: oh my god, I can't believe this because right now I'm based in Dallas, and we've had some of these meetups locally like co-founder dating or co-founder um, meetup where you know you sign up and you attend this meetup event and uh, it's kind of like speed dating but then you meet different founders and then you partner with them and I was always spe- skeptical of them because you know, everybody had their own idea and they wanted to kind of like be like hey you know like my idea is better and drop your idea and join my idea so just to see a real life example of this working out with you and i'm talking to you about it oh my god that's just i'm, I'm speechless man
1: yeah yeah it, it, <laughs> yeah you know i never thought that was possible but i was kind of just um mindlessly kind of browsing the internet one day and just looking at job sites and i found this like mm-hmm. uh co-founder um, ad and uh, i always wanted to start my own company but I, I guess i never kind of had the um you know i i never thought I could start it on my own, so I was always kind of pestering my my friends about starting a company, and they never wanted yeah, and then I came to this opportunity, this ad and I was just like yeah i'll I'll apply i you know i was I was unemployed at the time, I thought, yeah why not I'll try it. yeah so um and of of course, uh you know it worked, but then uh you know the no, looking back at it, of course, uh, starting a company together with somebody that you don't really know mm-hmm. uh, is, of course, more challenging than if we would have known each other for years beforehand. You know?
0: And to talk a little bit more about that, how does one go about building that trust? Like if you're starting something with your friends, it's it's easy. You know, you can trust them. You can focus just on the work because you've you've known each other for a while. But here you're starting on this new journey with someone you just met through an ad. Um, how did both of you go about building that trust?
1: Yeah, we started actually really small. I think that's the that's the key. Um, yeah. Um, so we did, uh, in the beginning, we just did a couple of meetups mm-hmm. where we invited people to do um, an online course that existed already um, on the internet. And we charged them something like 50 bucks for... Uh, for the course where I was the mentor, uh, you know, I was playing the mentor Mm -hmm. in this meetup, just helping people with that online course. And so we did, without having any website or any kind of real company, actually, we just kind of tried things like that out to see, um, what worked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then so I was kind of iterating on figuring out this mentorship idea. Uh, while Rafaela, you know, she was more coming from the business side. She was more starting to think about, okay, how can we get money to fund, uh, you know, our first employee to hire, etc. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is just splitting up the roles pretty uh, and have quite uh, distinct roles yeah. uh, to play in the beginning as well, where you know you put your own strengths into the the roles um, that you need. Uh, and then you know trust builds up over time i think
0: so it seems to me that you and Rafaela pretty much organically found out what one is good at and then divided responsibilities accordingly um just because you guys were working together
1: yeah yeah definitely and that's how it evolved over time as well um and um you know if i would start a company again i think i probably would have wanted to have more co-founders Mm -hmm. just two people you know don't really have all the strengths that that are necessary to start a company so yeah um, you know you would really want to have somebody who can do um, understand a little bit about finance and you probably want to have somebody who knows how to hire people you know somebody somebody who can do the product and 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 somebody etc right so Mm -hmm. just being two people is it's kind of a stretch to fill all of these things, all of these positions, but you have to. So yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, definitely. And as, as we grew the company as well, uh, Raffaella, you know, she, she focused on what she was doing best, which was, you know, the business side and, 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 uh, financing and, you know, finding mm-hmm. investors, et cetera. And she was also more on the, on the business sort of B2B side and things like that, where I was focusing on the product for the first couple of years.
0: Wow, that's good to know. And you said it's nice to always have different faceted people that make up the founding team. What are the possibilities to hire these people along the road if they're not part of this founding team? Or is it more like if they're one of the founders, you just can't take it away from them? For example, if you could go back in time and start Career Foundry again, would you prefer to add another co-founder that is, say, more experience on the finance side of things or just prefer to hire like a head of finance person later down the road
1: yeah i think it's difficult in the beginning because you don't really have that much uh, money or at least we didn't have that much money so it's hard to hire people when you don't have money um and especially hiring good people when you don't have money So um, at least in our case, we had to figure those things out ourselves, you know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and that takes a bit of trial and error. Yeah. So the first, I would say, first couple of years, the way we hired people, for example, you know, um, I think wasn't the best way, you know, looking back at it from how we do it now, what we have learned over the years, you know, the um, it's. It's just such a different thing right now. So yeah, um, yeah, it's tricky, right? Because when you start out, you don't have the money, and so if you do start out with more co-founders, then of course you already have that expertise mm-hmm. um, as in, in the beginning. I'd imagine that'd be easier.
0: That makes sense. And from what I understand and what I can see, it seems to me that Career Foundry believes on revenue-based growth. So you're pretty much using the profits from the business to fuel further expansion.
1: Yeah, so we're trying to grow, um, about 50% per year, uh, roughly in, um, in, on revenue. Um, and right now we're breaking even as a company. So that means we don't need to have additional investment mm-hmm. um, in the company, which is good because that means, uh, you know, we have time to, to um, yeah, to develop the company in the in, in the pace that we feel comfortable with.
0: So right there, where you said you want to grow the company in a way that makes you feel comfortable, I'm assuming that might be a reason why you decided not to go with the typical venture capital route.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I think that said, I mean, there's it could be that we go for uh, another round of investment in the future, mm-hmm. but. Um, Growing organically, so to speak, with uh, the money that you bring in and then, you know, just growing the team in the the same speed that you can bring in more students. Yeah. Um, It's quite nice because it means you, it's a very sort of controlled expansion. Um, I've, you know, learned my lesson from when we got um, the first series of uh, funding in 2016 um we you know at that time we were very inexperienced uh, both me and Rafaela. Um, um, and um have, have, when we got the money we you know we we thought we were going to grow like crazy and we 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 hired a lot of people in a very short time mm-hmm. um and um hi- just hiring people does not just lead to growth naturally so that's kind of a misconception. Yeah. Um and um yeah so um, because the problem with just growing by hiring people is that you create all kinds of inefficiencies, right? It's uh, um it's easier than just hire more people to to fix those inefficiencies, but then you kind of bloat up the company. Um and if you grow organically then you 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 kind of you you care much more about uh creating a system that actually works you know a, a team that works a culture that works mm-hmm. um, and making sure that all the processes work cetera. so it's it's a more controlled it's not a fast growth but in the long run i think it's uh it's a it's a better kind of growth
0: yeah that that makes sense and then looking up on Crunchbase it seems Career Foundry raised a seed and a series A round. Was it hard for you to raise money in Germany?
1: Yeah, actually uh, uh, Rafaela was dealing mostly with the fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh I was mostly tagging along and uh, you know being the product guy. But um the one thing that was always on the question from the potential investors that we talked to and got knows from was uh the question of scaling uh a lot of investors didn't believe that you know we could scale a company uh built on people yeah which the mentors and tutors are in this case you know um this was you know we did this a a couple of years ago so the whole um kind of um sharing economy etc wasn't uh yet um a thing maybe in Germany at the time, and and um, and it, th- there was a lot of skepticism around this idea of scaling the the mentorship model that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, would there be enough mentors? Uh, could we find enough mentors? Um, and could we make it scale, basically beyond uh, a few students in Berlin? That was the big question that uh, that a lot of investors have
0: I see. So how did you tweak the career foundry mentorship model to where it is today? Um, like what led you to double down on this gig economy and decide to keep the mentors?
1: Yeah, we tried to, in the, in the beginning, we tried a few different models. We had, um, well, we started just offline just to, when we were very small, but then when we started the, with building the platform, we, we played a, with models of having kind of full-time employee mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we tried uh, um, paying uh, mentors by the hour, um, or like a salary kind of thing. Um, but then we ended up um, on the model of paying mentors and tutors per per task that the student um, achieves in the course. Yeah, um, and the reason for that was that. We wanted to pay for the value that the students uh, gets from the mentorship. So um, we built the platform in such a way that it's divided up in, in 60 or 80 um, exercises, we call them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, when you completed all those exercises, then you're done with the course. Yeah. And um, so we pay the mentors and tutors uh, for each of those. Uh, exercise is completed instead, um, and that means that we know that we're paying for the value that the students um, um, get yeah um so that's one part of it, and the other part is just the business reason um, and it's just that it's easier to Actually, forecast what the cost is going to be of a course. Mm -hmm. Um, Since we know how many exercises are in the course, and we know what we're paying per exercise, we we know pretty much what the cost is going to be, and that makes it easier to run the business. So, um, yeah, the task-based seemed to be the better option. Um, Also, um, for um, for our mentors and tutors that you know need to work uh sometimes they want to work a lot for certain weeks and sometimes they work less um you know and then they can they can manage their workload uh, co- uh accordingly with um
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know getting paid per task
0: Martin my brain is literally exploding right now you're you're just like throwing away all these nuggets of wisdom one after the other you know just hearing about this is such a brilliant idea and obviously it seems obvious now to align the payment for mentors and tutors with the student interest at heart which is pretty much the progression of the course via the exercises and I think that's also helped you with with the business and figure out how much you uh, need to grow such an amazing idea I see so many online boot camp uh, boot camps these days it seems like every new one uh, every day like a new one is popping up and they typically have like this mentor teaching a cohort of 15 to 20 students at the same time this is quite different from the career foundry model, where the the student and mentor calls are usually one on one.
1: Yeah. Um, so we wanted to have a very kind of one on one experience uh, with for, for the student with the mentor and the tutor throughout the whole course. That's kind of a, a base um, basic idea of how we teach. Is that you know we want um, when the student starts with one on one of our courses they know that they have the same tutor and mentor that follow them throughout the whole course, which can take up to like 10 months.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the reason why that's important is that uh, of course there's a kind of, there's a relationship being built um, with the tutor and the mentor and, um, and the tutor and the mentor also knows, you know, what, what, uh, over time learns. you know, how does this student learn best? Um, um, you know what kind of um, strengths and weaknesses does the student have? Um, how do they want to communicate? When do they want to communicate? Mm-hmm. So it, it gets more um, personalized that way. That um, you you kind of you communicate uh, with your tutor mentor throughout the whole time. I know that there are some other boot camps that have a more uh, kind of a more um, another style where you have access to bunch of um, mentors yeah. at any given time kind of um, office hours kind of thing um, but um, yeah we found out that um, the kind of the personal connection is more important than than speed to to respond so to speak so that's what we what we focus on
0: so if a student is enrolling for a course a career foundry they have an option to pay the entire tuition up front or via installments, correct
1: right so there is um you can either pay the the course up front mm-hmm. um, or there is an installment plan that is over the time of the course, so uh ten months say for ten month course yeah
0: ah, I see like recently some things that gained traction and i've been seeing this a lot in the news as well is there's income share agreements so online boot camps are telling students like hey listen you don't have to pay anything up front it's free but you sign this agreement with us the income share agreement where once you get a job um then we'll take like 20 percent of your salary for the first two years
1: that's a a really interesting one i think Um, i so it's both good and bad so so let me say like i think i think it's super interesting because it obviously enables people um that would otherwise you know not take the risk Mm -hmm. um of doing an an, an online course like this um on the other hand uh, we have seen with some of the schools that um that offer income share agreements um that what it means is that the school needs to optimize only for the students that are actually going to make it yeah and because the students that the school starts suspecting won't make, um, you know, won't make the, uh, complete the course or, 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 or get a new job. Um, they will just be a cost for the school, right? Because mm-hmm. the school wouldn't get paid, uh, with the income share agreements unless the student uh, completes the course, right? And, and gets an, a new job. So, um, so that means that, you know, these schools they, they, they start to optimize everything they do towards the um the students that they think are gonna make it. And of course that's not something that they would ever uh you know publicly uh say that they do. Yeah. But there's a lot of um there's a lot of people out there now on Twitter, etc., um, talking about this, students, um, of these schools, that uh, some feel like they've been treated unfairly. Um and so what happens is some basically just get uh, thrown out from this from the course mm-hmm. if they're not performing, you know. And so yeah, that's you know that's not really something uh that we would ever want to do, you know, the just throwing people out if they wouldn't be performing. Um that's not really according to the culture that we're building at Career Foundry. Yeah. So so that's why I've been kind of struggling with uh, the income share agreement um, if we should um, try to do that as well and and if so, how we should um deal with with the people that wouldn't make it because they they would end up at pure cost for the company so that um and and then the other thing is that the students that actually do make it right that actually do find a job, they end up paying much more. Than, um, than they would if they would have taken uh, a course with a normal kind of installation plan, mm-hmm. installment plan.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. It's insane Like how much you end up paying with an income share agreement. I mean, you think that, oh, um, I'm saving money by not paying anything up front. But now when I look at the math behind it, I would rather just pay the course fee up front of $7,000 or um, pay it in installments instead of the income share agreement where I pay like 20% of my salary or some percentage for like two years. That's like even going to be um, more, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So what happens in effect is that they are actually paying for the students who are not making it. Um, and and so, yeah, it's, it's a super interesting model, but it definitely has some downsides. And uh, we're trying to think about here at Career Foundry, how can we do income share agreements in the right way? Mm-hmm. And, and, and and so we, w- we don't want to just jump on this, um, train right now. We, yeah. we kind of want to think it through before we go there. So lots of question marks. There.
0: You know, Martin, something I'm thinking about from my traditional school days. Um, yeah, so I, I did most of my schooling in India, um, and a bit in Canada. Um, and obviously in, in those places, we didn't have income share agreements back in the day. But we had like scholarships. So if a student um, is talented and uh, can't afford the, the tuition, the school tuition, they can apply for the scholarship to get a free ride. And it only makes me wonder if we should treat these income share agreements as a scholarship and not just a mainstream mode of uh, payment for all the students that join a boot camp. So for example, a certain amount of students in a boot camp would get like a free ride by signing an income share agreement, the rest of the students would... You know pay the full tuition now the income share agreement students have to perform at a certain level in the course like if you don't perform you get cut off but if you do perform and get a job then the company gets paid for the risk they took on you with the income share agreement and these sound students also get a, like a, a fresh uh start on their career so it's like a win-win for everybody from that perspective
1: yeah um perhaps that's a that's a good uh way of doing it um because, of course, it is the good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The good thing of it is that it gives people a chance that would otherwise not be able to, you know, uh, pay that kind of fee that the schools often ask for. Yeah. Um, and um, I like that part of it. It's very inclusive in that sense. Yeah, scholarships is another thing that we're also trying to figure out, like, how how do we do scholarships in Career Foundry? We, we want to do... Much more um, than we have been doing, and I, I, I think there is also an area where we can where we can develop much more in the, in this year.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see what you folks come up with. So you are a former programmer, and pretty much what a programmer does is to codify things in stone so then the code or the, the system works the way that uh, the programme wrote the rules. So, what are some of the company values you're trying to codify at Career Foundry? Or, in other words, what does the culture code at Career Foundry look like?
1: Yeah, so we, my idea with um, the culture that we're creating at Career Foundry is um, a culture of learning because, you know, we are an education company. And so I, I feel like we should be learning ourselves as well. Yeah. And um, but to create a culture of learning is is uh, it's really difficult. It takes a lot of time. I realize there's a lot of ingredients that are necessary and aren't easy um, to create. Um, the one one of the more important ingredients um, is to have a, a culture of safety where it's safe to fail and it's safe to you know ask for help. And it's safe to you know say or ask stupid questions and so on mhm and and that culture of safety that's kind of the most fundamental thing um and I feel like we've gotten that right um the next uh thing is to you know also have a culture of critique and candidness and um you know. Giving people feedback and, and actually taking feedback and developing um, based on that feedback. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I would feel it's like where I want to develop the culture next. So, um, but yeah, the goal is really um, a, a learning culture within the company where everybody's learning um, a ton, you know, every week. That's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to. Trying to build, and actually, I'm also um, writing a book about uh, learning and how we learn during um, at work. Um, so I'm trying to kind of gather my own experiences from how um, how I learn, and uh, also asking other people how they learn at uh, in their jobs, and trying to figure that out because um, I haven't seen a lot. Um, out there, mm-hmm. in terms of um, books or other resources, in how we actually learn every day.
0: That's so awesome, man.
1: Yeah, and it's really fun. It's uh, it's the first time that I've been writing something and um, uh, you know testing it on, on people in the company. Of course, they're often too nice to me, so yeah. Um, but I'm trying to tell them to give me. You know tough critique anyway so um but it's been a lot of fun
0: so martin i want to take a deep dive into your day-to-day life as a ceo um do you still even code these days or do you focus on like high-level management tasks versus getting involved in the the weeds
1: yeah um you know this has been a very gradual uh thing uh, as i said when we started the company in Rafaela, we had to do Everything from finance to you know HR to social to to business to product etc. And then I was programming. Yeah, I was I was uh, I was building the first part of the website, the first part of the platform. Um, but then I was also hiring the first mentors. Uh, you know, and I was doing student support. And um, you know, I said this in the beginning of the company. And as you grow the company, then you know you can gradually replace and actually hire people to do all those tasks yourself, and uh, and then you step out of those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I stopped programming like two years ago or so, um, uh, where my developers then told me kindly to stop stop programming on the platform because it was just messing things up. Um, so I I stopped that and um uh, um now um I still do actually uh, a lot on uh finance I do budgeting and things like that um but we're looking to hire a finance person as well so that you know replaces me there soon as well Yeah Yeah so I'm, I'm kind of stepping out of all these operational roles as we as we grow the company um and um and that's fun as a as a founder because then you you get to do you know everything uh and learn about everything as well which really which is really cool like i I never knew how to do you know uh a budget before uh you know i come from being a developer i had no clue about finance whatsoever um and now i can do do those things as well, which you know, i just was forced to do those things and um nowadays um you know i'm 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 more like thinking about the future of the company and um and not so much involved on the day-to-day basis of the of the operation mhm um i have a leadership team who is responsible for the different areas like uh students uh mentor um business and product etc and i trust them to do their work um the only way I check in on what's actually happening is I have, you know, uh, I'm you know, kind of coaching them, um, uh, meeting with them uh, every week, and and going through what's uh, what our challenges, etc. So I'm kind of uh, coaching them as we go, um, but they are responsible for these areas, and uh, you know, I'm more thinking about the future. Yeah. Where should? How should we develop? um you know over the couple of next couple of years.
0: Damn, that's like an amazing team you got in place. Are there any specific metrics you look on a daily basis to um ensure that the business operation is smooth?
1: Yeah, I look at things like enrollment, um retention um retention meaning uh basically um the number of students that don't cancel the course. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at other things like uh, pacing, how how fast do students go through the course? Um, because we found that uh, keeping a, a constant pace is one of the sort of best um, um, measurements to see if people are going to be successful in the course. Um, those that manage to to be very kind of consistent on their on their pacing. Um, they typically manage, so that's something that we're having a close eye on. Yeah. Um, then also, I look at um, placement rates, like how how well are we able to place our students into jobs. Um, and on the business side, I look at things like ca- uh, cash flow, um, revenue, etc. And what else? I also look at um, yeah the team team happiness kind of score. So we do, um, you know, we, I check in with a team. We have to do like team surveys quite often that we, that we look at how, you know, uh, that the team is is happy and developing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So those would be things that I would look at. Maybe not all of them on a daily basis, but, um, but most of them. Yeah.
0: Fascinating. And then Career Foundry also has a job guarantee, correct? So, if a student enrolls in a course at uh, Career Foundry and doesn't get a job in that uh, area within six months of completing the course, they get a full refund of the tuition, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you, as a student, you have a job guarantee, which means that you, um, you know, if you don't land a job within six months of completing the course, you you can get your money back. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, uh, but we, you know, we we launched that job guarantee. I guess. Three years ago or so, and it was quite scary at the time because we didn't know uh, if it was going to work. But it turned out that actually almost all students uh, do find jobs because um, you know the, what we teach—web uh, development and design there is still in such demand that uh, it's not, you know, it's not. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's easy to find a job, but most of our students find a job within, uh, say, less than three months after completing the course. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's still something that I just have an, have an eye on. I also look at it as uh, per region. So I look at, for example, how is the placement rate in, in New York versus San Francisco versus other cities. and mm-hmm. um, and, and so just making sure that we're okay everywhere uh, where we have students
0: wow so what does the future for career foundry look like
1: yeah so i hope that we can build um a you and more even more human-centric education Uh, you know that's where we started or my ambition was from for the company when we started and i think now we have built something that um, it's fairly human centric, but I think we can, we can, um, always make it better. Um, mm-hmm. so I wish that, you know, in a few years from now, I wish that, um, career foundry is, um, available in more places than, than it is right now. Like we have this, uh, as I said, um, you know, most of our customers are, are in, um, in the U S Canada, UK, and Germany. Yeah. Um, and that's largely largely because of you know language but also because of price points and I hope that in the next couple of years we can bring the product to more countries at more differentiated price points um to make it more accessible for more people um so that's um that's one of my hopes um and generally i guess making the product more inclusive for for more types of people um, and and then at the same time i want to also make something that is even more effective i mean in the sense of like more people actually managing um to complete the course um, so that's something that you know that we're always working on we're quite proud of our numbers but Uh, that's something that we can always improve on. Yeah. um, You know, if you think about it uh, throughout history, um, there's never been a school um, that's been, on the one hand, inclusive uh, and like available for a lot of people, and a lot of different kinds of people, and at the same time, very kind of effective. So if you think about it, like, the very inclusive schools are like, you know, public school, if you will, um, and the very effective schools is like Harvard or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So like where it's more exclusive, right? And um, we want to create something that's inclusive and effective at the same time. Um, so that's the big challenge that we're chasing, trying to prove that it's possible to something that's very inclusive and very effective at the same time um, and I think it's just never been possible before because of you know education has been um, offline yeah um, now with the internet and the types of models with mentoring that we and other schools are building um, I think it's possible to create a very personal experience even though it's online Um, and then that's making it very effective as well and inclusive. So that, that's a long answer to, (laughs) to what I hope to create over the next years. And it might take a few years, um, to kind of completely, um, get to that vision. Mm -hmm. Um, but I hope then that actually Career Foundry becomes, uh, like an example of how online education, you know, could be done. Um, or it should be done, you know. And other schools can actually take Career Foundry as a, as a, as a good example, and that would be my wish.
0: That's a phenomenal vision, Martin. I really, really pray that it comes true. I really admire what Career Foundry is doing by giving people a fresh start in their careers. There are so many people who are stagnating their current jobs or maybe they don't like the the fields or careers they're in. And Career Foundry is giving all these people the skills to reboot their careers. Any yeah. last words of wisdom to folks who are listening to this and want to reboot their careers?
1: Yeah, I think there's the. Uh, what, what I've seen is a lot of designers, a lot of developers, they, they, when, when they hear the, the word business, they, um, they think it's that, that it's something very complicated. And honestly, uh, it's not it's it's something actually quite simple mhm um and i my feeling is that it's um oftentimes it's more of a mindset uh change that uh that developers and designers need to do in order to actually appreciate um the business side and um so it's, I would say it's not really a skill it's more like a mindset change,
3: yeah,
1: so if you're um a uh, designer or developer, ask yourself, you know, do you really care about, uh, the business doing better? Um, yes or no, because not everyone cares about that. Like, you know, people care about lots of different things. And mm-hmm. so that's like the starting point. I think you need to say, if you want to learn about business, you need to say yes to that question that you really care about the business, uh, growing. Um, And if you do care about it, then um, I'd say the next step is just to talk to people that are in functions that relate to the business. So, um, um, say, marketing, um, finance people in your company and ask them how the business works Um, and ask them, you know, what impact can you have on the business? Yeah. Uh, What impact does your work have on the business? Um, then when you start talking to them and actually, uh, I'm sure that they uh, would love to to talk about, you know, and explain those things. Um, and so I think that's the starting point for me. Like, first of all, it's just like, uh, you know, do you really care about uh, business? That's like the mind- mindset change that you need to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do, then just talk to people. I don't think reading a lot of books uh really helped that much i think it's more like trying you know uh, trying to ask people uh, and figure it out in your own company where you work so that would be my advice
0: thank you so much martin for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom man if you made it this far you are what i call a design mba super fan and i've got a gift for you my super fan Head over to designmba.show where you will find my email address. Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.